Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. And we're going to continue tonight, and at least next Sunday night, on the general theme of the standard of living for the Christian. Tonight we're going to be using the specific subject, strengthening relationships, as you have noticed it, I'm sure, already in the bulletin. In the 17th verse of the third chapter of Colossians, we begin with our reading. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye have received the reward of the inheritance, for we serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. And the first verse of chapter 4, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. May the Lord add his blessing to this portion of his word, Let's unite together in a moment of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for these who have come tonight that we together might fellowship in your word, and I learn of you, and be drawn closer unto you, and have an awareness of our relationship to each other and unto your own self. Bless each of us as we have need this night. Open our hearts and fill it there with your your word, that we might be truly as you would have us be, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you, if you have been here for the last Sunday nights that I have been preaching, you will realize that we have been dealing with the general theme of the standard of living for the Christian. And by this, we have meant that we're trying to trying to have a deeper understanding of those particular areas in our lives where we need to be sure that we bring ourselves up to a certain standard of living in the Lord. And we have seen that there are some things that we are to use our uttermost efforts to keep from doing, to absolutely separate ourselves from certain things, and to live in a particular manner, and we've gone over those. And we've also talked about those things that we should add to our lives, 
to increase our uh, relationship with each other within within the realms that Christ would have us, such as as being kind and humble and merciful and long-suffering and loving and all of those things. Tonight, we get down to the subject of a relationship between certain individuals. What does the Lord expect of us as Christian people when it comes to dealing with each other? Now, this is where we live. And the very first relationship that he gives us here in this particular passage is the relationship of husbands and wives. Now, I'm glad he started off with wives. Aren't you, men? I mean, they're the ones that need it. I thought you'd agree. First amens I've got in four, four Sundays. I didn't hear any booze from the women, so I don't know whether you agree or not with that. Uh-oh. Oh. Well, shucks. I thought I was going to be able to say something here. All right, women. Now, it's your turn to listen to me, see? Uh, let's see what Paul has to say about the wife's relationship to her husband, but men don't go to sleep because right behind it's going to come something, you see, that he's going to say to us as men. Now, we're talking about a one-to-one relationship. We're not talking in general terms as to how a group of people ought to act toward another group. We're talking about right where we live, what one person is expected in relationship to the other. And one of the things that we can discover throughout the Scripture is that God has an order. Now, before you tune me out, listen to me a little bit. Because I'm not going to put you women down, but I want you to listen to the order. God has an order. He made the sun, and he made the moon also, our scripture tells us. He said that he made the sun to rule of the day, and he made the moon to rule of the night. And as far as I know, there has never been any argument between the sun and the moon as to which one was going to get the spotlight. Each had its responsibility, and each was as important as the other within the realm of their responsibility. You see where I'm getting? There is no more importance of the sun over the moon. There is no particular importance of the husband over the wife, except there is an order of responsibility, an order of duties that gives one person a particular realm of responsibility that he does not give to the other and vice versa. Now, we spend a lot of time in today's society talking about rights. There's women's rights, and there's children's rights, and there's gay rights, and there's all kinds of rights that people want to say, I've got my rights. But somewhere along the line, we have forgotten that we also have duties. Yes, we have duties. There are women's duties, and there are men's duties, and there may even be gay duties. I'm not sure about that one, and I'll pass it over. I doubt that there are, and I've got my ideas on that subject that probably fits with yours. And I don't find a very honorable place for, for that portion of our society. But we've got all kinds of people who want to say, I've got rights. But there are very few 
uh, segments of society that wants to say, I also have responsibilities. And it is upon this subject that I think we need to start looking at what Paul says here. Yes, there are certain rights that women have, but women, you also have certain duties and certain responsibilities. Yes, men, there are certain rights that we have as men, but we also have the comparable responsibilities and the comparable duties. Now let us look at what he says here, and I want to go back to the book of Ephesians for one other verse before we look at the particular words that, that Paul has to say. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, there is an overall verse that is very, very important. Uh, I was trying to read out of verse 6, or chapter 6, and I won't do. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21 in Ephesians. He says, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now we can go on. Uh, well, let me go ahead. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now there is no talk of particular rights within this passage of Scripture where the husband has a right over the wife or whether the wife has a right over the husband, but it is talking about one's responsibilities and duties to the other. It is the responsibility of the wife to be subject unto her husband. It is the responsibility of the husband to love his wife as himself. And how do you start saying one is more important than the other? I don't think that we can find it in the Scripture. I do not believe that Paul is saying that wives ought to submit themselves to degradation, to abuse. And there are many husbands that do dish out the abuse. And we've got to have some kind of refuge for, for wives who, who are beaten by their husbands physically and mentally, who are browbeaten into uh, nothing much more than a servant and who are physically beaten, and I've seen some wives who have been physically beaten by their husbands, and this is to the shame of the husband, for he does not own her, and she certainly has her rights. And so there is no discussion here of a wife submitting herself to abuse. But he does say that a wife should submit herself unto her husband as it is fit to the Lord. As it is fit in the Lord. What becomes proper? I think we could interpret it in some places in other translations we have this interpretation as befits those who belong to the Lord. There is an area of responsibility for the wife to be subject to her husband in that, as somebody has already said, behind every great man there is a great woman. I believe that with all my heart, don't you? Men, I'll tell you, there's only one reason why you're successful. And that's because you've got a woman behind you that sees to it that you are. I believe that with all my heart. I think that was Abraham Lincoln's statement, if I recall right. This wasn't part of a sermon. You know, you just sort of made me get into that a little bit. Shame on you. See, you got me off track here. But that's exactly right. The reason men are successful is because they've got a good woman 
behind them to make them successful. That, that's a Mother's Day sermon, and I, I preach something like that on Mother's Day at times. We must honor and respect and love our wives because they probably are the ones that have made us successful as we are. But wives, you also must be the ones that are there behind your husband, giving them the support and the encouragement that they need. Now, I think this is an important position for a woman to play. There is many a time that a man comes home very distressed and disturbed because of what has happened in his workday. And it is the wife that probably takes some of the abuse from this, but she does it in loving kindness because she's going to be able to pick up the pieces and put them back together. This is an important position that cannot be overlooked. Secondly, we must look at the position of the husband. He is instructed in the 19th verse to love your wife. Now that didn't always used to be. Back in Old Testament days, and even in the days of Christ, a wife was not much more than a possession. Not much more. Let me read to you Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to turn with you, you can. You probably find as quick as I can. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 19, beginning at verse 4. With the, in the middle of the statement, right exactly where Jesus starts speaking. Have you not heard that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. The important thing that I want us to notice here this evening is, and it has lots of other things that we could talk about, but that is the husband will cleave to his wife and they will become one flesh. There are no longer two people. They're one. One person. And there has, as the scripture tells us, there's never been a person yet who has hated his own flesh. Everyone respects himself to some degree and loves himself certainly as he ought. And a husband is to love his wife as much as he loves himself. And this means that he's got to treat his wife with the, the, the greatest of tender mercies. Because this is the way we would treat ourselves. And yet I have seen husbands who treat their wives like children or like possessions. You women were liberated with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That was your point of liberation. You became one flesh with your husband. That makes you equal with him. There are no inequalities in position. There are simply differences in areas of responsibility. That's the difference. We've got to come together, husbands and wives, as one person. We've got to get together. We've got to speak with one voice. It's one authority. One person. And we're not all there. There are husbands that are abusing their wives, and there are wives who are abusing their husbands. And they're going one direction one day and another direction the next. There is not that good common feeling of one body, of one mind, of one flesh in many marriages. 
there is a responsibility for the husband and for the wife to carry their responsibilities, not just their rights, into this marriage relationship. Oftentimes it doesn't come out that way, and therefore we have difficulties and problems. I'm not saying that all of our relationships are going to be beautiful and perfect. There's not a couple here, I suspect, of what has had at least one argument, a disagreement. I suspect that's been on the low side, don't you figure? Just slightly on the low side. But this ought not to be our pattern. Can we not love and agree together? We have our responsibilities and duties to each other, and we'll join together in being sure that our home is a Christian home so that we can honor and glorify Christ our Savior as a result. So husbands submit yourselves to the two, or rather wives submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting unto the Lord, and husbands love your wives as you would love yourself. And then thirdly, he says, children, obey your parents. I want you to notice something about this verse that is very, very different than what he has said before. He said, children, obey your parents in all things. There is no point of judgment on the part of the child as to whether he or she obeys the parent. Did you notice that? In all things, our kids are to obey. In all things. The children, as long as their children are not yet at that point where they can make the decisions in the house, and you know as well as I that there are many families whose children run the show. I hope yours don't. Because if they do, it is anti-Christian. It is not God's will. It is not in God's word. And you can tell Dr. Spock that if you want. His uh, attitudes, uh, many of them have, have done more damage, I think, in the rearing of children than perhaps any other single individual, and you can take issue with me on that if you want to, and it doesn't make any difference. But nevertheless, there is an area of responsibility between the child and his parents, and the child's responsibility is to be obedient. Now there comes a responsibility of the parent to see to it that the child obeys, but my point that I want to make in this particular verse, and we'll get to the rest of it in the next verse, is that children are by God's word commanded to obey their parents in all things. My son said no one time to his mother in my presence, and he landed flat on the floor on his back with his eyes wide open because my fist was right smack dab in his jaw. And when he got up, he had a different outlook on life than he had when he, when he went down. I had to finally tell him, look, son, you're not wearing the pants in this house. You're yet the child. And today, he respects me, and he does not sass his mother. But uh, it took a little drastic action. All, all children go through the effort. He wasn't just a little guy when I spanked him. He's as big as I was, so don't think I was picking on him. I mean, you know, uh, it was just one of those things that it was time. And he had had the word spoken, and I enforced it. I wouldn't advocate you go around smacking your kids all the time, and that's the only time I ever smacked him with the fist. But it was time that he had it, because he was now a grown man, 18 years old, and it was time that he had, if he hadn't learned so far, it was time he learned, and he learned. 
So I don't apologize for doing it. I'm not, a I'm not a child beater, but I'm telling you there is a point when children have to obey, and if they do not, it's time to put the rod to them. Now, that's my belief about child rearing. I believe that firmly. I used to preach that when I didn't have kids. And one of my deacons said, well, I wonder how he's going to do it when he has a child of his own. And uh, I was able to sit my children right up here on the front seat without a bit of problem. I'll never forget on one occasion in the middle of the service, some women were talking, and my little girl just stood up. She was only three years old. She stood up uh, right there on the front seat and turned around and right in the face of those women said, shh. That was the last of that conversation. They got the point. But she had been trained. She knew exactly what she was expected to do, expected other people to follow in the same boat. She didn't know there was a difference, you know. You know why You know why a preacher's kids are so bad? It's because they play with deacon's kids. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay, Paul says that children are to obey. This is scripture. See, this is not my word. Now then, he goes on to say in the next verse, fathers. Now, I think we can add to this word and make it a little bit broader and say parents, and we're not going to abuse the, the uh, intent of the scripture. Parents, provoke not your children to anger. What is he talking about? If you would read from J.B. Phillips' translation, he would say it this way. Parents, do not over-discipline your children. Don't just be children beaters. And I have been so angry a few times in watching some parents who could not let their kids be kids and thought they had to beat them every time they opened their mouth wrong. No, no. Let's be careful. Let's, let's be sure that we don't overreact and, and criticize and treat our children so abusively that they grow up hating us. Now, this oftentimes happens. I have known many a time that a child has brought home a report card and had all A's except one B. And instead of the parent praising the child for a marvelous job, the parent would say, well, how come they weren't all A's? You know, we've got to let them be kids. I don't believe that we ought to punish a child every time that he, he uh, misbehaves. He knows what is expected, and one little old firm look is just about all it takes to get him to realize that he, he has abused his privilege. My kids said they knew when they had better shape up because all they had to do was look at me. Well, I'm not sure that's good or bad, but uh, we need to have a relationship so that our children understand what is expected of them, but we've got to heap upon them praise and, and tell them we love them and respect them and uphold them for their rights. We cannot abuse them. We need to know what, what our feelings are for them. There's many a child has never heard their mother or dad say, I love you. There's many a kid that is aching for somebody to take them in their arms and hug them because mom and dad don't do it. And I'm telling you, that's one of the most important ingredients in the, in the growing life is to have somebody who loves you. And I believe, I'm sure you believe that. You've got to have somebody who loves you and who shows it. This is one of the problems between husbands and wives. Sometimes we don't show it enough. 
Men, when's the last time you actually put your arm around your wife and said you love her? How many of you have done that today? Just read, come on, admit it. Four or five of you, what's up? Well, now, come on, some of you are beginning to cheat a little. I can see that already. I'm glad you did. That's great. That is great. Uh, this, this is what we ought to do. And we ought to do the same thing with our children. We ought to do the same thing with our children. I'm telling you, if we as parents do that with our children, the day will come when we'll also see our children doing the same thing with us. They'll say, Mom and Dad, I love you. And even when we get older, we're going to do it. One of the things that I cherish more than anything else is when I call my kids, I don't get to see them very often, is before we finish the conversation, they say, I love you. That becomes extremely important, particularly when there's a distance involved. So parents, there is a parent-child relationship. Do not overcorrect. Be wise in your discipline. And let them hear them let them hear you say I love you. Now there's another relationship that he talks about. In verse 22, he talks to servants. He says, servants obey. Now we can uh, expand that word just a little bit, and again, not abuse the scripture, by saying, employ E. The person who is employed. And most of us tonight are employed by somebody. There is a relationship that we have to our employer. I don't know whether this is a good time to talk about when we've got employee-employer relationships that aren't too good here in the county, but I had planned this before that came into being. I'd say it anyhow, so that make a difference. I don't know if any of you are involved. We as employees have a responsibility in God's word to give a full day's labor for a full day's pay. We cannot shirk and cheat and steal and abuse our employer and hold our head high as a Christian. We've got to give of ourselves to the job that we have at hand. He says, servants, obey in all things your master according to the place. In other words, that which you do physically for your employer, you're responsible for doing that which is right and honorable. Do it heartily, he says, as unto the Lord in the 23rd verse. We've got the same responsibility as a Christian to provide a service to the person who writes our paycheck as if it were the Lord himself. Did you get that? We've got the same responsibility to provide a service to our, the person who writes our paycheck as if that were the Lord himself. That places a, a responsibility upon us. How many employ, employees steal from the job? I have seen that time and time again. Inventor buckets outcome uh, parts and tools. None of you have ever seen anything like that, of course, have you? I've seen people who don't work with things like that, who, who cheat on time and don't give a full day. They come in late and leave early and think nothing of it. And all of the other abuses the Lord is saying to us as Christian people, 
That job that we have, we are to give ourselves fully to it as though we were giving ourselves to the Lord. And then he doesn't leave off those of you who are employers. Several of you, or some of you, I don't know how many, maybe you own a business or you're a foreman, you're a supervisor, you're in a position where you tell somebody else what to do. This places that individual in a, an extremely important position and one that requires some uh, very, very uh, careful consideration. Look what he says in the first verse of the fourth chapter to those people who are in a position of authority who employ others or are responsible in, in a supervisory position. He, say, he calls them masters. He says, give. Did you see that word? Give unto your servants, to your employees, that which is just and equal. Now if labor and management in today's society would read these words from the third chapter of Colossians, we wouldn't have labor relations problems in our society. But we have these problems because we are not willing to follow God's word in what kind of a Christian relationship, what our standard of living ought to be as employees and employers. Give that which is just and equal. Why? Look what he says in the latter portion of that verse. Because you have a master in heaven. See, uh, a master upon earth has got to be careful because he's got one up there. You know, nobody escapes it. The boss doesn't escape because he's a boss. I've been in both positions, and I think I have a little bit of understanding on both sides as to some of the problems and, and uh, some of the concerns that both, both must have. But if the employee will give a full day's labor for a full day's work and the master will give just and honorable to his employees, then who's got a complaint? Look what we have seen now. This is what a Christian is expected to do. A Christian employer is expected to be just and equal with his employees. An employee is expected to give of himself fully to those that write his paycheck. A father is expected, or a parent, is expected to properly and honorably treat his children. Children are expected to obey their parents completely. Husbands are expected to love their wives unreservedly, and wives are expected to be obedient unto their husbands as though they were being obedient unto the Lord himself. You put all of those together, and can't you see the Christian? Is not this the person of Christ? Isn't this what he exemplified? This is what a Christian is. This is how a Christian reacts. And if you take out of your life all of those things that are not good, fornication and uncleanness and, and uh, those inordinate affections, which I think is homosexuality, and evil uh, 
things in your mind and covetousness and idolatry and anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and you put all those out and you put on to your life or into your life meekness and kindness and humbleness and then you take that and apply it to your personal relationships day to day that's what a Christian is expected to be now there's not a one of us that matches that but this is what our, this is what our goal is this is the image that Jesus Christ gave us. This is the, the thing that we're to strive to be. Whatever our relationships might be there, we are expected to do them as in the Lord. I think we can close with this general comment. You wives... Treat your husband as though you were married to the Lord himself. You husbands, treat your wife the same way, as though you were living with the Lord. You children, look up to and honor and respect your parents, just like you're supposed to honor and respect the Lord himself. And you fathers, Treat your children the way you know the Lord would have them treated. You employees provide that day's labor as though the Lord were the employer. And you employers, you better remember, you're also employed by somebody that's over you. Now, some of this is harsh, and I, I don't intend to be easy. I don't intend to be easy at all. I don't, I don't think there's any place for it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to criticize, but what I'm trying to do is, is paint a picture to show us what we ought to be, what we ought to be striving for. And hopefully some of us will reach some level, some plateau, and each day, just get a little closer and closer to the Lord. Because remember, the Lord said, be ye perfect. This is what we're striving for. And, but unless we know what is expected of us and what the standard of living is as far as the scripture is, we'll never reach that plateau. We've got to work at it. And I believe every Christian's got to work at it. We can't be lazy in our service of the Lord. If we do... We're going to be like that fig tree we talked about this morning. The day may come when the Lord's going to say, all right, cut it down. Let's produce glorious things for the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for giving us a guideline, a map to go by to show us what we ought to be like and how we ought to respond in our day-to-day -day relationships with each other. Help us to to receive these words with, with an understanding that would help us to become more like you in our day-to-day -day actions. So we pray in Christ's name.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.